How many know the Lord is bringing things to pass? Faithful, the Scripture says, is he who calls, who also will do it. Faithful is he who calls, who also will do it. There's never been a word from God that has fallen yet. Never has the Lord spoken, and it just went into nothingness. No, the Lord, as the Scripture says, watches over His Word to perform it, to make it happen. Amen. And He's working. He's working even now. He's working, has been working, has been continually working, and is still working. And things are uh, in work, in the works. Amen. I encourage you just to trust the Lord because He's faithful. Amen. Say, what will He do? What do you mean He'll do it? What's it? Well, what He called you to do, He'll do it. What He promised you. You'll just trust trust that. What you'll watch and you'll see it come to pass. He will do it. Amen. <laughs> I know some people who talk and all that's all it is. It's talk. <laughs> it's noise. <laughs> and uh, but the Lord's not that way. When He talks, He does it for a reason. Why? So a person can believe it. So a person can receive. That word from him, believe it, and then that gives God access to their life to bring to pass his will. Amen. So he's working. Say it out loud. He's working. He's working in me, working in my life, working it out. Everything's coming together. It's not going to be late. There'll be no more delay because God is faithful. He's on time. So I will not whine. I will not complain, I will not worry, but I will trust, because He is faithful. Amen. Bringing it to pass. Bringing it to pass. Amen. John chapter 14. Let's keep our expectors on tonight, and let the Lord have His way. This is not that Sunday stiff crowd, right? This is, this is the Wednesday free crowd. We, 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 can, we can do anything here, right? <laughs> Amen. And the Lord's going to do some good things. Hey, uh, listen, we were just praying in the Spirit moments ago. And uh, some of you don't do that yet. But uh, I think I want to give you an opportunity tonight. Uh, you've got my permission. <laughs> of course, you don't need my permission, but uh, uh, towards the end of the end of the service, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, no water necessary, just Holy Spirit. Don't have to change your clothes. <laughs> don't have to go far away. You can be baptized in the Spirit. That means that you're immersed or you're filled with the Holy Spirit. What will happen is the Lord will give you a new language to speak in. All right. If you have questions about that, uh, do ask. We do have answers, and there's Bible answers to all these things. But uh, you'll be filled with the Spirit, and you'll speak in another tongue, in a language that you don't know, the language that your mind doesn't comprehend. The Bible says it this way, your understanding is unfruitful. All right. But you pray out of your spirit, and you pray in a brand-new heavenly language. Wonderful. It'll help you in many, many things in life. And uh, say, can I be filled with the Spirit and not speak with tongues? Well, it's kind of like the shoe. You know, you get the shoe and the tongue comes with it. So uh, it's, it's, not, it's, not anything, it's not anything we're seeking to divide or separate or say, you know, you want one part without the other. No, this is the way the Spirit of God moves, has been for 2,000 years now, filling people with the Spirit in every generation. And people then speak in a, a new heavenly language. And you get anointed. You get, a, you get empowered to be a witness. And in fact, we've been talking about the dynamic duo. And, and, and it's essential for us really to live this life in, in the fullness of what it's supposed to be for us to be filled and baptized with the Spirit because this is a working relationship that we have with God. In John 14, notice verse 16 again. Jesus said, And I will, the pray, I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper that He may abide with you forever. And so again, the Helper is the Holy Spirit, but it's interesting that one of His names, one of the things that He's called is a Helper. And so we've been showing you that He's not the one who is the doer, but rather He's the Helper. We are the doer. We're the ones that are to uh, be busy with the 
with the Father's business, right? We are to be working, as Jesus said in John 9, working the works of Him who sent us to do the works of God. Uh, But working with the Holy Spirit does require that we work or we do something in cooperation with Him. How many understand that even in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where the Bible speaks about the manifestations or gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts, one of those gifts is called the working of miracles. Now, kind of a knee-jerk response, people would, would say, well, who works miracles? People would say, well, God does. Actually, that's not the one who does the working of miracles. See, the Lord is involved by, of course, granting supernatural ability and power, but it is the human being that is the worker of the miracle. All right? When a working of miracles takes place, who works it? You do. I do. God grants, of course, uh, anointing and power and has, has given us authority to do that, but we have to work the miracle. Now, again, like we said to you before, that can be uncomfortable at times. It would be easier. The flesh would really much, uh, very much more enjoy sitting back watching God work the miracle. And like we said before, again, sometimes people want to really spiritualize that and say, well, when God moves, He does it in such a way where only He can be glorified. That's not true. God uses people, and people then point to Him and say, this is the Lord. Now, obviously, we know when something gets beyond the, the ability of human flesh, there's got to be some kind of something involved there that does point to the Lord. However, he's not going around doing miracles independent, uh, independent of mankind. Either we're going to be used of him or there will be no miracles. Okay, Either we are going to step up to the plate and act in faith, take bold action like different people have done, and see the miraculous power of God demonstrated, or we're going to sit back and say, well, whenever the Lord decides to do something, I guess He'll do it, and we're just praying. We're just praying that, you know, someday these things will happen, and, uh, well, here, we're knocking off that nonsense, okay? Well, see, that's kind of harsh, call it nonsense. Well, That's because I've preached on it for three weeks already, and I'm expecting you to step up. (laughs) All right? This is your first time, and that might be a little bit harsh, but, uh, well, you're you're behind. You should have been here three weeks ago. (laughs) All right? Here we go. can, Can you speak that way? Well, Jesus did, and so I'm trying to emulate the Master. All right? When Jesus expected someone to believe something, uh, He got on their case when they didn't. Are you listening? So, if you're not believing, I'm his messenger tonight. I might get on your case. Say, stop living such a natural, pathetic life. So, I just want to be nice. Well, quit it. Now, I don't mean really quit being nice, but listen, people in the world can be nice. I know some nice people who aren't saved. We need to be nice plus. We need to be sweet and smile a lot plus have power. Plus, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look at John chapter 2 with me. Let's look at a situation that most of you are aware of. It's Jesus' first miracle. The very first miracle of Jesus. Now, we understand that Jesus is about 30 years old when this took place. Someone might wonder... Well, why didn't he do miracles when he was a teenager? Why not in his 20s? Why, didn't he, why wasn't he operating in miracles? Well, the simple reason is, is because he needed to be anointed. And he didn't get an anointing to do these things until he went through the water baptism. And then the Bible says the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Remember that? Then he was empowered to do the once, of course, he spent the time in the wilderness. It says right after that, and he says he came out of there forty after forty days in the power of the Spirit. And so that's why it's necessary for believers today to also walk in the power of the Spirit. All right, all believers should be filled with the Holy Spirit. All Christians should uh, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you really want to walk in power like God intended, you need to receive that gift. 
Okay? Doesn't make you more saved. Doesn't make you more loved. Just makes you more powerful. <laughs> just makes the just takes the potential way up in your life of how God can use you. And I don't know about you. I want it. I want I, I want God's best. I want Him flowing through me. And so again, this was the first time. But let's look in verse 1 of chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. All right. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what, is, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. All right, first of all, when he says woman, he's not being rude to his mom, all right? That's, uh, uh, that's language they use. Sometimes people want to say, woman, what, what does that have to do with me? That's not his tone of voice, okay? That's not what he was saying. He was not uh, diminishing or dishonoring his mom here, okay? Jesus knew the word. <laughs> all right, again, they have no wine. He, Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the, of the Jews. In other words, the same kind of things that they would use. Uh, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up. To the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and the disciples believed him. All right. I think it's, first of all, interesting. Uh, apparently, Jesus' mother here was in charge. She must have been in charge of the wine and stuff, you know, the food. Otherwise, why is she doing anything about it? So she obviously has some authority there. She's, she's dealing with this. And uh, I find it interesting that this first miracle was initiated by Jesus' mother and initially resisted by Jesus. But yet he still worked it even before he was supposed to. I don't know if you, I don't know if you see that. Jesus, first of all, he's like, what does this have to do with me? In other words, I didn't come here to do miracles. I'm just coming to the wedding. Right? He said, it's not time for me yet. Obviously, it was close. But he said, this is not where I'm starting. This is not where I'm starting my ministry. This is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. Yet, he did it anyway. I just think there is much more control of supernatural happenings in our hand than many of us have ever realized. Jesus knew here that even though it wasn't quite time yet, that he could still do it. And while we're talking, so how do you know? Well, he went ahead and did it before it was time. He went ahead and used the anointing on him. It says he manifested his glory. Why? Well, because he could and because his mom was bugging him. But obviously, she knew that he could do something. But what's interesting about this, he had never done anything before. It wasn't like, well, there's Jesus. You know, he does this kind of stuff. He's got a track record. He had no track record. I bet there was a lot of conversations between Jesus and mom about the call and about what he knew and how things would happen. But he had no precedent to this point i think about i think that's a pretty good miracle to start on too i mean you would think if we were just coming into a a a, a miracle ministry how god would use us maybe we would start you know with some really small things 
You know what I'm talking about? Could we start with some minor aches and pains? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, could we start with, you know, maybe milk to chocolate milk or, or something? I mean, maybe that's kind of difficult too. Uh, but Jesus jumped right in here, and I think it's interesting. There was no hesitation. There was complete confidence from the very first miracle. Because, again, think about it. Obviously, these servants were under the authority of Mary. And they, he, she said, do whatever he tells you to do. But I don't see him fumbling around going, oh, man, what am I going to do here? All right, let, let's try this. Why don't you guys fill these things up? These are, thing, these are big honking stone containers with a whole lot of water. Jesus was very confident and assured right from the very first miracle he did. Why was that? I know this. He must have prepared beforehand. He must have been ready in his heart. He must have been fully aware and knowledgeable of what was the potential of the anointing that he had received in his life and that he had authority and mastery over the circumstances and over the elements in the earth. And he knew, I can do this, and I've been authorized by the, by the woman in charge of the catering here, and so I'm going to take what I have and do something with it. Someone said, well, I don't know if, I, if I'm ready. Well, that's, that's one of the big things that people uh, have to deal with, that we all have to deal with. Can I do this? Am I able to do this? We have to get past that before we'll ever do anything. Okay? I have to get past, can I lay hands on the sick and they recover, before I'll ever put my hands on a sick person. And if I do, you know oftentimes people just do it out of, well, I know I'm supposed to do this. I don't know if it's going to work. Let's kind of see and, you know, just tr try this out, so to speak. No, that's why we spend time doing what we're doing now. That's why we take these scriptures on our own time and meditate on the Word. And, and, and we dwell on these things. We let our mind be filled and go over it and over it and over it again. I don't know how long Jesus took, but maybe since He was able to read Huh? I'm not saying you're 30, 30 years away from a miracle, but I'm just saying I think it was his lifestyle where he knew. That way when he dealt with circumstances, situations, he was ready to go. We, we saw last week how the disciples attempted to cast this spirit out, this demon out of this, this boy, and they failed. And Jesus walked up right behind them and cast the thing out. He, they weren't ready. He was. He said, you guys need to go fast and pray. You need, to you need to be ready for circumstances like this. Jesus lived ready. He was always prepared. It pays. You can see those in real life, you know, out in the open, those who have a prayer life, those who read the Word. If I'm around you long enough, I'll tell you if you're in the Word or if you're in prayer and if you have a good ongoing relationship with God. Yeah. Now, I can't know just by looking at you here other than by, you know, the Lord have to show me supernaturally. But hanging around each other, any of us, we can tell. I'll listen to what you talk about. <laughs> and if we, go, if, we get, if we pray together, I'll see if you... If you can pray. But if you're fumbling around, I'll know you don't pray very much. Now, don't take offense if, this is, if, if prayer and these kind of things are new to you. Well, that's fine. Just don't let it be new a year from now. Huh? This, we just don't want to stay where we're at. But we want to be prepared. We want to be ready for all that the Lord has for us and we know this the scripture told us in John 5:19 that Jesus could do nothing of himself but apparently he wasn't doing this of himself well we know that for certain he wasn't doing this by himself he was doing this with the spirit okay but yet it sure looks like he decided to do it huh he couldn't do it by himself but his mom put the pressure on. 
And he said, man, you know, this is not my time. And she said, all right, but hey, you guys do whatever he says. <laughs> you see, she just, he, she just put it all on him and, yeah, all right. <laughs> and he decided to do it. But yet he wasn't doing it by himself. Is it possible that you could decide to do something and God will join with you? See, I don't want to just have a one-sided approach to this because I think we would all agree that if the Lord speaks something to us, the Lord directs us, then if we will yield to that and cooperate with Him, things will work, all right? Miracles will happen. Things, God will be at work. What if we decide to do something? Does, just like how we connect with Him when He leads us, does He connect with us when we take the step? Hmm, never thought about that one. That's what I want to show you a little bit more. Okay? <laughs> Again, it's never all God, but rather this is a cooperation. Two parties involved, both He and us, and there are times when we listen to Him and act on His leadings, and there are times when He listens to us and fulfills our word. I know that's, a, that's like a statement that's out there. It's like, wow, that is like beyond us <laughs> but I want you to analyze I want you to think about it would God back you up could you take a, a step and the Lord would connect with you just like he takes a step and we connect with him look at Acts chapter 16 with me now let me say something here I just want to throw this out I don't want, to, I don't want you to take it too far but why are some, this has been my observation, I have seen some people who have done some bunch of stuff, good things for God, and have been successful. And the way they described their beginning contradicts my theology. And I'm not changing it, by the way. I'm just wanting to throw this out. Because typically you would think, if someone does something great for God, certainly God spoke to them and told them to start. And, you know, and again, I would encourage you to be led. <laughs> but when I've heard people say, I just saw a need and decided to do something about it. Now, theologically, I would say, we're not led by needs. Because how many know in the big picture, if I just go around trying to meet everybody's need, I can't do that. But I've seen some, and to be honest with you, some I'm talking about, they're more of a, uh, from a denominational uh, theological position. In other words, sometimes don't know so much about the Lord speaking to them or giving visions and dreams and some of the supernatural elements of God's revelation. It's not something they walk in. Oftentimes they say, well, someone needs to do this. I'll do it. <laughs> now, again, that's not what I recommend. But I've seen in a few situations where God hooked up with them, connected with them, and all of a sudden He's moving through their life in, in ministry, and it's like successful. Now, understand this. There are some who do that, and it doesn't work. But I find it interesting that when a person, if they're doing the right thing, will take the initiative and take a step of faith, Oftentimes, they're doing more than the people who are waiting forever for God to finally tell them to do something. And again, I don't want to take anything away from someone waiting on God for Him to... That's scriptural, and that's right. But if we are taking all the time in the world, and we're, we're still 50 years later waiting for God to use us, I think we're missing it somewhere. It's time to take a step and say, God, use me, uh, and I'm going to go. And, and here's, here's what's important, because someone said, that's dangerous. Not if we know the leading of the Lord as we go. Okay, Acts 16, verse 6. 
Again, cooperation. Both of us, not either one of us, not us doing it alone, but not God doing it alone. It says, uh, 16.6, Now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, this is important for us to understand. Uh, first of all, someone think, why would the Lord stop them from preaching the word in Asia? Doesn't He love the people of Asia? Didn't He tell them to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Isn't Asia in the world? Hmm? Well, this is where, of course, there's general direction and there's specific direction. Okay, just because the Lord has people in Russia that he loves, that doesn't mean necessarily that you are supposed to go to Russia. How many know that's important to know that? I'm just going to (laughs) go. Well, again, I applaud the initiative. Let's go get something done. Let's head to Asia. However, being spirit-led believers... We should recognize that sometimes as we go and take steps expecting God to work with us, sometimes He'll say, no, don't go there. Hmm? Or don't go there now. Or, again, we've got to understand the Lord is directing a very intricate plan. And He's got certain people He wants in certain places. And if you go and you're not supposed to, you could mess it up for somebody else. All right? But again, look what they were doing. Apparently, they were headed to Asia. They had made preparations and plans. They were going into all the world, and they decided, let's go to Asia. Right? If they hadn't decided that, if they weren't going to go, the Lord wouldn't have had to forbid them to go. He wouldn't have said, stop, don't go there, right? The Lord has not been talking to me and saying, don't go to Japan. Say, does that mean you're going to Japan? No, I'm not even thinking about going to Japan. (laughs) So the Lord doesn't have to talk to me and say, don't go. But if I know the Lord wants me to go somewhere, but I don't know where, He wants me to do something, wants me to serve somewhere, and I don't know where. It makes sense to start going somewhere. So that, especially if it's been a while, I I make steps that way so that, and I'm listening the whole time, if the Lord doesn't want me there, He'll say, no, don't go there, and then I'll stop. And listen, if I don't hear anything, I might start taking a step somewhere else and listen. And how many know this is oftentimes how the Lord leads us? I know this, that I had an opportunity many years ago coming out of Bible school to go to a particular place, and I'm thinking, my head said, Good deal here. This is a good decision. This is the right way to go. Right way to go. So I started taking steps that way, and the Lord forbade me. What do you mean? Did you? Did He speak audibly? No. I. It was in. I just knew on the inside. It was like, uh, uh, you know. It's like if I was going, I'd have been miserable. There would have been something on the inside of me, and I could have rationalized because it was in New York State. I could have said, Well, doesn't the Lord love the people in New York? Didn't Jesus die for people in New York? What's wrong with New York? New York's in all the world. Here I am, called, I'm equipped, I'm ready, filled with power, excited, ready to go. What's the problem, Lord? i got to trust Him. But again, what I see here is people taking initiative. If you, Let's read the rest of that. Verse 7. After they had come to Mysia... They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Notice what they did, though. They tried. They weren't going to sit around and do nothing. They tried to go. They tried to move forward. And thank God they were sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, and they were yielded unto His voice and His ways, 
and he stopped them from making a wrong move. Can you trust the Lord to stop you from making a wrong move? I'm not talking about committing your life or committing huge resources to something that you don't know is the place to go. But a lot of times, you got to get the car rolling. You can't steer it while it's parked. And the Lord wants to lead you and guide you and, and have a cooperation with you, but you're in park. Are you listening to me now? And the Lord wants you to at least get in neutral so you can be pushed. Preferably in drive where you start moving and he says left turn, right turn. And well, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about really just going off and, uh, you know, yahoo, we're just out here doing, doing whatever we want to do and, and we're going to change the world and, 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 and to take an approach that we're going to do it aside from him. No, but sometimes when we're working with the Lord, it's difficult to tell who's initiating. Was that the Lord or was that me? Well, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like when we, talk, uh, when we talked about uh, healing the sick, ministering healing and life and miracles. Sometimes you wonder, well, who was that? Was that initiated by that person and their, their faith? Or was that a prompting of the Holy Spirit? Well, when you're, when you're in agreement with God, you're really on the same page. You're thinking the same way. And there's, so, there's not a whole lot of difference. The Lord wants them well, and you want them well. And so who is it? It doesn't really matter. Because when I take a step of faith, there He is. And when He prompts me, there I am. And we're working together. This is a relationship that every one of us need to have. Amen. I don't think that doing what the Spirit says, and even Jesus saying, I don't do anything except I first see my Father do it, and so forth. I don't think that means every minute detail. I don't think that every word that Jesus spoke, he heard it a few seconds before. And he didn't say anything that the Father didn't say. I don't think every time, you know, because sometimes he ministered to multitudes of people. Had healing meetings, I mean, nice ones. The whole multitude got healed. Thank you, Lord. Woo. I don't think that each time, because sometimes he laid hands on them all, that he went, okay, yeah, I saw that, Lord. And he went to the next person waiting to see if the Father would show him. Okay, this one's okay too. <laughs> I don't think being led of the Spirit means we have to see every little detail, minute detail of what He wants us to do. We get some direction, and then we go do it. And He says, lay hands on the sick. You, are quite, you can find any sick person. Now that means in the middle of that, in the middle of that type of mindset where you're thinking that way. I've got God in me. Spirit of the Lord's in my life. I can do these things. In the middle of that, there'll be times when you'll be directed. You'll be prompted. You'll have a leading to do something. And there'll be times where you don't. What do you do? You move, he backs you up. He moves and you work with him. Say, is there, what else is there? Only times if you have a check, don't go there. Don't do that. Or maybe more specific direction. We always follow that. We use the gifts. We use the tools. Every tool in the tool chest. We're, we're, we might be ministering, helping one person, and uh, you get a word of knowledge. Well, great, use it. You're ministering to someone else, no word of knowledge. So, I'm using what I have. Another person, discerning of spirits, operates. What is that? That's when you see into the spirit realm. Great, use that tool. Lord gave you that. That'll help in that situation. If it's not there, well, still got hands. Still got anointing. Still got power. Still, still have the, the ability to do some of these things. Of course, Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Amen. The Lord works with people who are working. The Lord works with people who are moving, who are doing something. 
Let's look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You know, over just to make mention of another scripture here, in Acts chapter 18 and verse 5, the Bible says that, that Paul was compelled by the Spirit to testify to the Jews about, uh, about Jesus, that, that Jesus is the Christ. Notice, he was compelled by the Spirit to testify to them. Do you think he ever talked about the Lord when he wasn't compelled? Yes. If, it weren't, if that were not the case, it wouldn't have to say that he was compelled. It would just say he testified to them about the Lord, and we would know, well, that's the way it works. He was compelled to do it. That's the only time he does that. But no. It says that, inferring that oftentimes when he testified about uh, the Lord Jesus, that he was the Christ, that he had no compulsion. There was no supernatural prompting or leading. He just decided to. And how many know this? Well, watch. If you preach the gospel or testify of the Lord to a person and there is no anointing, It is futile. Now, now listen. I'm not saying you have to feel an anointing. I'm just saying, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, you cannot win anyone to Jesus. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless my Father draws them. The Holy Spirit has been sent. uh, One of the things He does is to convict, or that means to convince the world of sin of righteousness of judgment. So if I'm sharing the gospel with you and there is no <clears throat> there is no drawing by the Lord, there is no conviction that comes when I speak, then my words will be unfruitful. That is the way it works whether we know that or not. If a person truly responded to the Lord, You shared the gospel. They responded and received the Lord. We know for certain that the Lord worked with your words and drew them. Otherwise, they would not have come. It is a... I don't mean that they have no choice in the matter. They have to respond to that prompting. But the prompting must be there. The anointing must be there. And so when Paul, in this situation in Acts 18, was compelled... To do this, implying that other times he preached and there was no compelling to do it at that time and that place, the Lord still worked with him. In other words, he took the initiative and the Holy Spirit joined with what he was doing and people were saved. See, we must understand that there are two ways that this happen, and happens, and sometimes we miss tremendous opportunities for God to be on display in our lives because we have no um, spectacular type of leading. We have no spectacular uh, feeling or, or, or something like that where, man, God showed me. He told me to come here, and you would be sitting there and... and uh, <laughs> And th- listen, I'm, I believe strong in supernatural leadings. God compelling us, prompting us, showing us, urging us, all this stuff. And when you get that, man, bless God, act on that. But give God something to act on too. Just like you want Him to give you something to go forward with, give Him something to work with. Come on now, you have hands, you have a mouth, you have a heart of compassion and love for the world. Give God something to use. Like, like he said to, uh, said to Moses, what's in your hand? You know, he had the rod and that, he used that to split the Red Sea and, and, and do some tremendous things. What's in your hand? Give God something to work with and watch him go to action. Amen. This is a cooperation. We're working together in this. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 8. Let's see here. Uh, verse. This is the situation where, you know, the hypocritical Pharisees brought that woman caught in adultery, threw him in the midst uh, before Jesus. They're trying to test him to 
trap him into, you know, either stoning him or denying Moses and all that. And look over here, and many of you know the story. Uh, verse 6, this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, we know the story, and uh, we know the answer. It's like, that's a good answer. That's what I would say. <laughs> now, I realize there's a whole lot of speculation about the whole writing on the ground, and I'm not going to interpret that for you tonight. <laughs> what in the world was Jesus writing on the ground? He was drawn in the, in, in, in the ground there. I don't know. And you know what I think? I don't think you know either. <laughs> I think you might have an opinion. <laughs> I think you might have read some things that someone else said. Think, ah, that sounds good. And, and there's a lot of thoughts and, uh, and different things. Uh, here's one consideration, though. Not what he was writing, but what, why, he was, why he was stooping. And I'm not declaring this as fact either because I don't know for certain. But maybe. This was a tough situation. Would you agree? This was a tough call. They're trying to get him either to stone this woman, say stoner, and then it ruins his ministry because he's one of compassion and mercy, helping people, and that's not going to help. Or go against the law of Moses, and then they've got him there. This is a tough call. And how many know that Jesus did not operate in all knowledge while he was on the earth? He did not know everything. He didn't know when he was coming back, didn't know that the fig tree didn't have any figs on it. <laughs> there were things he didn't know. There was a lot he didn't know, okay, even though he was the smartest, smartest one in the, the sharpest tack in the, in the, on the board. <laughs> uh, uh, however, in this situation, they're constantly testing him, and he's coming up with answers, you know, who's on the coin? Caesar, well, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what is God. And he, he's getting these amazing answers. He's trapped in a situation again. Consider maybe when they first asked him, he didn't know what to say. Maybe he thought, okay, let's just wait here for a moment. Have you ever had to wait on God to get an answer? Yes. Have you ever not known what to do? Not known the answer? Is it possible that Jesus was waiting for what the Father would give him? Again, I'm not saying this absolutely. I'm saying this is my best shot. <laughs> uh, this is, one, this is one, one idea. That he's bending down there, right? And they're telling him. They're talking to him. Well, what are you going to do? Stoner? What are we going to do here? And he's pretty much ignoring them. How many know seconds feel like minutes when the pressure's on? And they kept talking to him. They kept bugging him, and he kept doodling. <laughs> Again, I, I don't know exactly what he was uh, writing. Maybe I'll get, you know. Again, I, there are other ideas about this. But when he raised up, he came up with the most brilliant answer. And people have been quoting it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. We're still saying that today. We're still using that. That was the wisdom of God to get out of a predicament where they're trying to trap him. We know the Lord wants to get you out of some traps too. Man, what am I going to say? Sometimes, if you don't know, wait. Trust. Praise the Lord. When Jesus worked the miracle of the water into wine, that was a tough deal too. When I say tough, he didn't show it. <laughs> but tough on the flesh. Think about it. Phil, he has to work this. The miracle has to be worked. He didn't just go, look at that. Wouldn't that have been easier? Bam! And everyone's glass is full of wine. See, it wasn't a magic trick. It took faith to make it happen. 
And so he took steps. He made them do something. They were part of the working by their obedience to him. They filled, and that was a bunch of work. All right, they just didn't drag the hose over there. And... They filled these things. They had wells in those days, remember? They filled these things. And then after that, it, they're sitting there, these huge things of water. And Jesus says, now, in other words, it's still water. And again, he didn't go, turn to wine. <laughs> here it comes, here it comes. There it is. <laughs> he said, go take some of this to the dude. Who? The, ma- the master of the feast. Told the servants, go take some of this to the master. Listen, it's still water. Take some of this water and go pour it in his glass. That is a major step of faith. He's about to make his mom look pretty bad if something doesn't happen. You're going to the head, going to the master of this big ceremony, and you're going to go pour them a glass of water when, that, when they're expecting, you know, wine? Somewhere between the pitcher and the glass, it was transformed. But again, if we put ourselves in that situation, you can see this is a working with the Spirit, and it is taking a step of faith that the Lord can connect with, and He can make happen. Amen. Say, well, who initiated that one? I don't know. It seems to me that Jesus decided to do it. Did He have a specific leading to do it that way? Did he know by the Spirit, did the the Father show him, fill up the deal, then fill up the little pitcher and go pour it in, then it'll happen? Or was he using what he was empowered with and he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to do that and you're going to put that in there and it's going to be good. And he made it happen. Food for thought. Say, Pastor, this is out there. I don't know about this. Well, listen, we need to have our, our thinking stretched into the possibilities of what can happen as believers in our lives. And listen, I, we need to be, we need some bold action. I'm not talking foolish action. Don't do things that are going to get people hurt, and, you know, unless you, you know, at least you really have a, a word from the Lord. But are there some things that, will, that are uncomfortable to the flesh? Yeah, sometimes they are. But let's step out of faith. Step out in faith. Amen. And listen to the Lord the whole time. But sometimes we've got to realize it's time to stop praying and start acting. And I don't mean stop in the big picture. No prayer life. <laughs> I mean stop sitting around asking God to do it. He's not the doer. You're the doer. He's the helper. And if you'll do it, he'll be there to help. Sometimes we praying and 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 praying. Praying and 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 praying. Praying and praying and praying and praying. Waiting for God to do something. Waiting for God to move. Praying and praying and praying. And I think there needs to be some bold initiative on the parts of believers. Where we say, hey, here we are, we're, the Spirit of God's inside of us, so we're going to do, do some things. We're going to make some things happen. Amen. I'm not saying you have to go turn water into wine, but, it, you know, I'm not saying that's, that's out of the realm of possibility either. Same God. But I do know this. Let's work with people who are lost. Take initiative. And believe that when we speak, the Holy Spirit will convict. Will convict. Let's find opportunities for sick where people need healing. And when we lay hands on them, believe that the Holy Spirit will flow. And He will move. And He will back up what we did. Because, again, this goes back to what the Lord said for us to do. All this wasn't our idea to begin with. It's really the Lord's, and we're responding.
Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, you're a good God. Lord, we honor you in all your ways. We bless you tonight. Thank you for, for your presence, for your help, for your supernatural anointing. Lord, you empower, you equip, you enable every single one to move with you to do the works of God. Lord, we are equipped, we've been authorized, we have been appointed to do the works of God. And so, Lord, we do take bold steps of faith, steps of action, moving forward to accomplish your will, to see your plan come into fruition. Lord, to see healing, to see miracles, to see, most important, salvation come to the masses. Lord, you're in us. You're in us for a reason. And Lord, I thank you that you're working with us and we are cooperating with you to let you move in our world, to move in our lives, to move in our neighborhoods and our workplaces. Lord, we believe that you're at work today, working with us. Thank you for your anointing and power. Thank you for grace and strength for this hour. For this hour. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Oh, the Lord is good. Amen. Let's just pr pray for a moment. Father, thank you again. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're for us. I thank you for the moving of your spirit in our lives. He is not stagnant. He is not idle. But he is active. He is stirring. He is compelling. He is leading. He is guiding us. Lord, we recognize your promptings, your urgings, your voice, still small voice, loud authoritative voice. Thank you for visions and revelations and dreams that come to pass in this day, in this hour in which we live. For these are the last days. And I thank you, Lord, that you are moving us and moving through us and revealing to us how we can uh, take part in your great work. You're doing it big in us. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it. Glory to God. The Lord is good. Amen. Father, I just pray for every person.